Welcome to the Casual Fridays REI podcast, where you'll learn about the wildly profitable niche of land investing. Active land investors Adam Southey and Justin Sleva are here to share their experiences with you so that you can learn how to build massive cash flow and huge profits from this highly lucrative niche. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Adam Southey and Justin Sleva. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Adam Southey here with my co-host, Justin Sleva, and this is the Casual Fridays REI podcast. Today, we'll be talking about the true stress of full-time investing. Before we do that, though, let's talk about the Plum Investment Group. Guys, do you have a property you need funding for? Plum Investment Group is your solution. Plum helps land investors grow their business by funding your raw land purchase. It's truly an awesome deal, guys. And just to be clear, this isn't a loan. Plum will actually partner with you by putting up the money for your project. So do yourself a favor and go check out the website. It is PlumInvestmentGroup.com. Happy Wednesday. Hey, what's up? Nothing. Plum's actually had a really busy week, last two weeks. Plum and Lamuel, both. On a buy and sell side, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, I, I think we've, in the last two weeks, close to nine properties sold. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, I still see a lot of things what am I trying to say? A lot of movement, like leads, people talking land, rural land kind of seems hot right now. Everyone wants to get away. Yeah, I I think I'd have more sales than that if some of the land wasn't behind like places they're doing stop and checks if you have an essential worker card or not. Oh, I didn't realize that was that. Uh, that that's something that. that's actually happening. Uh, even in rural areas? Yeah. Probably more so because Barney, Barney Five has nothing else to well, do. Well, like one of the places I have, there's a bridge to get up to the Upper Peninsula and they the guy got stopped twice trying to get there. And so he's like, I, I got to wait till they lift this stay and shelter in place. I was like, wow. And then I had that happen in another area as well. And I was like, okay, well, just let me know when you can go. But leads have been popping off. Every property I have listed has been getting two to three leads a day off of it. That's good. And that's just, you know, when I say that, just off of land watching, like Lands of America and Lands of Land and Farm off the Lands dashboard. Yeah. Yeah, the preppers and the conspiracy people, they're all like... They, if they were on the line living in the city, like in their head, want to be theorists or preppers or whatever, like this whole pandemic has kind of forced them over their edge. They're ready to move. I, I probably spent 30, 40 minutes on the phone yesterday with a guy that, whoa, I don't even, I, mm-hmm. I, I have said the wrong thing about just kind of joking, jokingly about uh, how this is a government conspiracy. <laughs> that set him off. Boy, he went on. I, I don't think he breathed for 30 minutes because he was talking. So he felt the same thing, huh? Oh, he he didn't just think the same thing. He was, I mean, he was ready to start a protest. With you or with the government? Government. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. He, he thought this was all. Oh, he thought the whole thing was completely just set up to control us. <laughs> I watched a video, and it was a guy in the White House getting ready for a press briefing, and there's a guy with a mask on, and I don't remember who the guy was, but he walks in, and he goes, and take that mask off. This, goes, this ain't real. And the guy goes, what are you talking about? He goes, he said, yeah, the new reports just came back in. We're going to see a mortality rate of like a 0.05 to 0.1. And the, one of the other guys sitting there goes, so this is no worse than the flu? He goes, yep. And then the other guy goes, well, we're all vaccinated too, so it's okay. And this, this, was a, this was real? Yeah, it was a, press they, there was a hot mic on and a camera on uh, just sitting uh, there as they were getting ready for a press briefing at the White House. And I was like, Oh, somebody's in trouble. Yeah, but I know. Yeah. That, I know that our way that we talk about this, we're probably pissing some people off. So uh, I, we should maybe throw. A, we do acknowledge <laughs> that the coronavirus exists and that there has been deaths, and that that's terrible. Yeah, but I am still, and I will forever be under the impre- 
under impression. Is that right? Under that, the impression. That, that's good. This is way overhyped. We should not have shut down everything. Man, I uh, and let me let me preference this by saying if anyone's been following what's going on in Sweden, yeah, I think so. Yeah, they are just announced yesterday they're about to hit herd immunity. Yeah. And to hit herd immunity, 60% of the population has to have developed immunity to it. And that's because they refuse to shut down. Uh-huh. So <laughs> I can see your face right now. I, you know my personal feelings on this. <laughs> and I think there's a lot of stupid people doing stupid things right now. But I have put this in the category of politics and religion. Oh, because yeah. I am seeing it split families up by their opinions in the fact of this. Yeah. And so, and this is a little bit off topic. We're, we're not getting straight into the stress of a full-time investor because we're going to get there. Y'all are here for it. We're going to talk <laughs> about it. But, you know, I've watched families become divided over this because some one maybe in-law thinks it's the end of the world. The other in-law is okay with it. So the kids tend to maybe follow what the mom's parents do or the dad's parents, whichever one they're closer to. And then you see siblings get upset because they don't fit. And you've had Easter canceled for a lot of families because they wouldn't be, they, the family couldn't agree on what, what the family stance was. Mm-hmm. Now, if you saw a friend get sick with COVID-19 and they ended up on a ventilator, you know, there's a, that's a different topic. You got some yeah. emotion attached to this. I don't want to discount that by any means, but so I've put this in the bucket for me. Um, and then when I see some really stupid comments on both sides of Argument on Facebook, I have become really good at using the unfollow button. Hmm. I'll stay your friend. just don't want to see your bullshit. Yeah. Either way. Yeah, I guess we should probably stop talking about it because you are right. It it just splits so many people up. Yeah, like, like for instance, I'm at Walmart. I told you I go to Walmart the other day to buy water balloons. So I'm standing here. I'm literally half, half of my foot is over the blue square to get in the self-checkout line. I'm like, okay. It's an older lady. She looks at me. She goes, sir, I need you to get behind the blue line. <laughs> I said, blue line? Where's a blue line? She goes, right there, there's a blue line. And she she has a mask on. It's hung under her chin. So her mouth and nose are there. And I said, she goes, it's a six-foot blue line. I said, there's not a blue. Point it to me because I don't see line. It's a square. It was just a square sticker. And she goes, it's that blue one right there. And I said, the square? She goes, mm-hmm, management put it there. And I said, is management always right? And she said, mm, you know that's not true. And I said, what am I six feet from? This blue square ain't six feet from nothing. I got a cart in front of me. I'm still four feet away from this other person. I'm 10 feet away from you. And she goes, well, I don't know. Get on the line. <laughs> I just shook my head. Okay, yes, ma'am. But it's crazy to see some of that stuff. And I, yeah. So I'm not going to run down that rabbit hole because then you get into even more like the debates of, and this is where I'm going to tie it back for us. So I'm not, I'm not getting too far. I was about to just look at the time. Damn, we're already eight minutes into this. And we haven't talked about <laughs> So we saw a comment by two local, two Texas land investors. One was talking about the money that the government was giving out. And, you know, we saw a widespread of people in the land investing community say, hey, yeah, go out and apply for this money. You're, you're enabled to. And, you know, you have two trains of thought and many in between, I'm sure, that should you take the money or should you not take the money and apply for it for small business loans, either the PPP or the, uh, I can't even remember, it's the EDIL uh, money, emergency disaster injury loan, I think is what it stands for. But, you know, there's two, there was two options out there with the CARES Act. So should these people have put in for it or should they haven't? And, you know, and I'm tying this back to the stresses of a full-time real estate investor because, hey, I hit three years last week and we didn't mention on the show, but it was three years as a full-time land investor. And that's three years from when I got walked out of a six-figure job 
and said, hey, I'm going to make this thing work. And already, it's not that I just started right then. That wasn't when the journey started. That's when it was full time and it became, you had to hunt for what you eat. And then I see those two comments and I'm like, man, those are decisions that every business owner has to make right now. You know, I just said that we, we've, having a great, we've had a great two weeks, you know, it's nine or 10 properties sold, a couple hundred thousand dollars in revenue. That's, that's really good. This is seven weeks into the quarantine. For six weeks, we sold like two properties. Mm-hmm. So if I'm a business owner and I'm going to this uncharted territory, what's the right thing to do? And yeah. how do you protect your business? Yeah. Well, first of all, congrats on three years. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, second, I also saw that post. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we should get into who's right, who's wrong, no. right? Because that's going to be just kind of like the coronavirus thing. Yep. You know? But yeah, you're right. It, it adds when you're a business owner, an investor or whatever it not knowing if you're going to be able to pay bills or not is a stressor. And Mm -hmm. that's just one of the many stressors of being a boss, self-employed professional. Yeah. So and I I take that back and I saw a couple of comments in our group where people felt like they were starting back over at ground zero and they were full-time investors or their business had got kind of funny and they were looking for this, like this magic bullet. And, you know, for me, I, I take every, and I I can go through this and I can remember vivid times. I got this, one of the guy's comments was, you know, they made a bad deal. He cried to his wife, sat there and cried about it a little bit. I don't know how many times I've sat at my desk and I'm just like, why are my eyes watering right now? Why, why is there so much stress on this? And it's how do you alleviate that stress for your business? And what does that look like? Because, you know, there's a few people I'll lean on if I'm like out there. Adam's, of course, one of them. But, you know, a few people that I'm like, oh, shit, you know, what do I do? Because I play every month as it's zero. My score is zero. I don't care if I've made I've done seven hundred thousand dollars in revenue that year. I am still at zero that next month. Day one, I've got to make enough money to pay the bills. And I, that's the way I work. I don't, I don't have a collective paycheck. I don't have anything like that. I, I eat what I get. Mm-hmm. And then I try to build up you know, residuals to where they're coming in and different ways of making money off land deals. And if I have to wholesale or if I have my eBay business and what that looks like. So we have all this stuff getting going. And so for me, like I, I get a comment from somebody or somebody's new and says, oh yeah, I want to be a full-time land investor in 90 days. Like I, I almost don't wish it on them. And I, like, I wish everybody the freedom and success and that's out there. And my, my, my ideal land investor would be somebody that loves their full-time job and does this and makes $250,000 a year on this on the side. Mm-hmm. And they're just, life is just amazing. Yep. Being an entrepreneur in general is just a freaking crazy roller coaster, right? Mm-hmm. It's like that. I always think of that graph. It's a arrow that goes up, but it goes up because you hit a big sale and then it goes down because you haven't done anything in two or three days. And then you have a big sale and it goes back up Uh this whole time. It's going higher and higher because you continue to work harder and and you're growing. But man, I feel it all the time, right? You get a big sale and you're riding high for like a day or two. And then you go no leads for three days or four days. You're like, what, why am I the worst? Like this, this is terrible. You know, what are we going to do? Let's, how do we make more revenue? And then get another sale and you're like, Oh, I got this. Yeah. Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing real good. (laughs) Yeah. I, and I always think about it when it's like, if I'm a deal away from just like the whole, the whole house of cards collapsing. Um, and I can use deals as an example. Like I've, I've got quite a few deals in pipeline at all times. You know, it's not, I've got plum running deals, Lamuel running deals, eBay running deals, and then now project one running deals. So there's always something moving at all times. And I, I think about people that get to, they only have one or two deals in their pipeline and one of them becomes a problem deal. And I can think of one for me right now. I've got one in East Texas. I wholesaled from a guy. We didn't have enough meat on the bone for me to um, fund it. And I told him, hey man, I'll, I'd be interested in wholesaling. It's two hours from the house. So I'll go look at it. Like buying it on wholesale? I bought it wholesale, yeah. yeah. 
Um, so I paid him percentage and he took, he was happy with that. He made money. He's out. So I put on a market and it has a dam on it that had been, it's washed out. And so by the lake restrictions, it's supposed to be done by a, it's supposed to be the whole, everybody that lives on the lake is supposed to chip in and fix the dam. Well, they don't want to. They're like, well, fuck, sorry. I can't sell the property the way it sits because my agent's like, hey, I got to disclose it. So he walks them straight to that piece and shows them this washout on it. Property would have sold 15 times over. Mm-hmm. And it was buried in the woods. You can't see it from anywhere. It's beautiful property. So the question is, what do you do? Like I sit there and I could sit on my desk and put my hands down and cry about it. And I say, okay, hey, what's the feedback you're getting? The guy's like, well, they don't really know where they can build on it. And I say, okay, let's get the surveyor out here. He'll mark where the lines are. So we now we have a good idea what this lot is because there's a vacant lot next to it. And I said, let's get some people to come out here. If they just need to dump some dirt, let's do that. If they want to fix it. He goes, well, I got two guys. One's $8,000 and one's 4500 bucks. So I'm in the property sixteen five. Let's call it that. So I'm list, it's listed right now at twenty nine nine on the MLS. Put $4,000 into it. Can I mark it up some? Maybe. I mean, twenty nine nine. I'm getting five leads a day off the MLS for it. So it's worth that. But they don't. When he discloses that washout, they're like, huh? And he's like, well, just you know, take five thousand dollars off your offer, and we'll put it in there. And they're like, ah, oh, no, I want to see it done first. So they're they're scared to buy that, which I don't blame them. So you just do what you have to do as a business owner. Mm-hmm. You spend the four grand, forty five hundred bucks, and get gone. Yeah. And those are the kind of decisions you have to make as a business owner. Mm-hmm. You know, there's times where the stress can pull you down, but that's when you need to really figure out what you need to do to rise above. And that's why we have our, our group. Like I saw someone asking for an accountability partner the other day, and I, those kind of people are great Yeah, because they help you work through those kind of situations. I mean, if, if you didn't have myself to talk to, the podcast to talk about, and whoever's talking to, you know, things would be a lot tougher. And I think there's probably people out there that suffer with that. Yeah. Like I was talking to one of our newer clients. I, something that I don't know that I don't think a lot of people know about once a month, I try to do like a random act of kindness for one of our listeners or one of our clients that have bought the course or we do consulting for. And this one, she had 12 properties in a County and just kind of sitting there. I'm like, well, where do you got it listed? Well, I've had it on Facebook and I've had it here and she doesn't have it like on lands. So I was like, well, let me just put your product on lands. It takes me a couple minutes just to upload it. You know, let's sign a little agreement that we're doing it together. So you know, we have a partnership so I can actually list it with you mm-hmm. and we work together on it. And, you know, this is one of those things that's going to get it put in front of a few more eyes. Uh, last month, one of the, a, a newer investor that we started to work with, she just sold her first property yesterday. She bought them, she bought three and they're coming in and now she just sold her first one. Check is in the mail, all the paperwork signed, you know, it's, a, it's and that's what makes it worthwhile. But when you have to do that to feed your family on a day in day, basis, it's, it's stressful. Mm-hmm. There's things you can do to relieve that stress too, right? There's so many businesses right now in this COVID that you can tell who the uh, financially solid ones are. Like the ones who were smart with their money and didn't uh, go crazy buying things they didn't need or they didn't leverage their business <laughs> yeah. to the to the max, right? If you know that those, like you've, you've got to plan for these things almost, right? It's like you don't plan on the world coming to a halt, but you need yeah. to at least have enough money in there to help you through it, not be over leveraged. Trust me, I've been there. I've been over leveraged and the world came to a stop. It will, it will ruin your day. Yeah. And I almost think that makes you a little bit cautious, more cautious than you should be sometimes, but I understand why. And you end up slowly pulling you back out a little bit. I'm like getting you a little bit more. Yeah. The little bit more will be the max. Yeah. <laughs> Cause yeah. I'm not, I'm never going back to where I was. That's a fact. That's a fact, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I agree yeah. with that. And that's, I'm not saying that that's, you need to go out and leverage. I'm not saying this or that, but you know, I think that what a lot of people miss is they have, you said, you know, the arrow up and down. My question is they have the big sale, 
then they try to switch something in their business because, oh, we got sitting on this cash. Let's try this, this, and this right now. And we have said since day one, always layer on top of your business and don't, you know, change the whole course of your business. You know, if it's a product type, you're going to add in, keep what you've been doing good at and then add it, you know, and that's, I got away from doing a bunch of small deals just because I didn't want to take the time to do it. And then I was like, how do I just add this back in? It was just stupid ROI. Mm -hmm. How do I put this back in my business? And then I hired somebody just to run that part for me. And it just add, hey, you want to add $700, $800 a week to your business? Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. That was profit straight to the bottom line. Yeah. You know, and it's, I think it's funny that a lot of people here, when I was talking about it, like I'm the cash guy, you're the terms guy. But they, when they talk to me one-on-one, they realize that I'll take terms on anything, Mm -hmm. but I'm not a, you know, a 199 down. I'm a, you know, you're going to put four or 5,000 down, Mm -hmm. 6,000 down. So I can put that money back to work and then you're going to make decent payments for a long time Mm -hmm. with high interest. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel like we've had that. I'm the cash flow. You're the cash guy for a long time. Like yeah. We haven't talked about it really. But like I still that. get feedback like that yeah, in yeah. calls. They're like, they're like, well, I know Adam's more of the terms guys. Do you do it? And I was like, well, I actually have quite a few terms. And that's, you know, I like that because the big question through this stuff is how many people are you going to lose on that? Like how many yeah. people were going to default during this time? And everybody that I had that were ready to default, I deferred two people's payments. Everybody else caught up. Yeah. And I had one lady come back. Yeah. So my last April payment was just made that made and that made every single person had paid their April payment. Okay. So I was, yeah. I was pretty, I expected, I, t- I definitely expected some people cause I have like a, a tattoo artist and I have other people like with those kind of jobs that can't mm-hmm. work right now. I totally expected them to not pay. Mm-hmm. No, came right on through. Yeah. I, I had one that she gave the property back and we signed a release on it that, but that wasn't because of COVID. She just decided she wanted to go to a different property. And then I had one in uh, South Africa. They deferred, because they, they can't get out of their houses right now. And the exchange rate has gone through the roof. And then a guy worked in the oil field and he asked to defer. And so I gave him some time. So, you know, that's one that was three months behind and he caught up. He made three payments this month. Yeah, I had one like that too. So cool. Anything else you want to add in here? No, I will say that, you know, I, I'm not going to try to go too far off on a tangent, but the idea of becoming a full time land investor is going to have stresses with it. It's going to be very stressful at times. And it's almost going to seem more than you can handle. I will say that if you take action and just keep moving forward, you will find a point that, you know, you don't get hung up on the, if there's this going wrong with the property, you just, what is the quickest way to fix it or to exit it? Because if you sit there and dwell on it, it costs you money. If you make a decision to move forward, even if you lose a little bit of money on that deal, that money's still back out and moving again. So that's where, if you look at it throughout the whole year, and you look at it for your whole history, I can think of three properties I've lost money on. In total, it was 1100 bucks. Everything else out of, I think, close to four or 500 deals now have made money. And so when you look at that over that whole time, you know, you continually do that, you're continually going to make money and you're going to do well. All right, there you go. Words of wisdom. You heard it here. If you liked it, go to Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube and let us know. Give us a like, a follow, subscribe, and then go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, go to wherever else you're listening to us. Like, rate, review, and subscribe to the show. We appreciate it. We love you. See you Friday. See you guys.